I'm always going to be a writer. Like I might even try to write a novel or a play, you know, I'll, I feel like, um, that being a writer is something you can do at any time in your life. And in fact, right. we're all writers. We all have mm -hmm. stories to tell, whether we're, we have imaginative stories that we think up or whether we just want to tell our own stories. I'm just blown away how everyone's life has an amazing story in it and they don't even realize it. Um, and yeah, that's kind of what, that's kind of what we get out of this is people just, everyone is interesting. And that's what Tony and I love is just everyone has a story and you get to hear all these different stories and, you know, different journeys are exciting. I'm Todd Harrington, and you're listening to the Gray Matters Podcast. Along with my co-host, Tony Hoyland, each episode explores a special guest's lifelong passion. There'll be a bit of nostalgia, but mostly it's our guest's personal story of how they discovered their passion and how it evolved over the years. Welcome to the Gray Matters Podcast. Our guest today is Dana Stevens. She's had a long career writing for both features and television. Her most recent release was Fatherhood, starring Kevin Hart. Earlier screenwriting credits include Safe Haven, directed by Lasse Hallstrom, City of Angels, directed by Brad Silberling, For the Love of the Game, directed by Sam Remy and starring Kevin Costner, Blink, directed by Michael Apted, and Life or Something Like It, starring Angelina Jolie. She also created and produced Reckless, a legal drama for CBS, and What About Brian, an ABC series. Her latest movie is a huge release, The Woman King, starring Viola Davis and directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood. Projects in development include TriStar's adaptation of best-selling novel The Nightingale and a film about singer-songwriter Carly Simon. Without further ado, Dana Stevens. Hello, Dana. Hi. Hi, Todd. Uh, now, before we start, we have just a lovely, soft, beautiful voice that will jump in from time to time. It's my co-host, an incredibly talented oh musician, and I, I can't say voiceover anymore. It's like voiceover artist, right, Tony? Does that sound better? That's, yeah. that's fine, yes. Okay, dude. All right, uh, Tony, meet Dana. Hi, Dana. How's Hi, it Tony. Going? Hey, nice to meet you. It's going good. Yeah, nice good. to meet you. Boy, speaking good of voices, you. you have a great voice. Oh, oh my God. thank you. I, I was an actor once upon a time. I, you know, like to go back because, you know, I knew you for a brief period of time. But when did this become? Were you a child that had to write? Were you and did was it? Let me just finish one thing. What is what all that I want to be in the entertainment business or was it you wrote poetry and everything? But when did it begin? And was it was it acting first, writing first or the same? Well, um, I, I think it's sort of both. I, I did write in, in uh, um, I, I tried to write a novel when I was in fifth grade. So I guess maybe oh. that would come first. Although pretty quickly I became obsessed with the movie business and I wanted to be an actor. So by the time I got to high school, I wanted to be an actor. That was going to be my main focus. Mm -hmm. But uh I also, I went to three different high schools, so um, everyone... Were you bored or you got moved around? <laughs> no, my, my folks just moved around, and so every time I would arrive somewhere, I'd have to kind of reestablish myself. Um, I did that mostly through acting, but I remember one particular school that I went to, I wanted to um, take the special, you know, advanced writing class, and I gave her this 
this really stupid novel that I had tried to write in fifth grade, and she was basically like, well, this, uh, this is not good. And, and, oh, <laughs> cool. Thank you for encouragement. But she, uh, her name was Terry Fields, and this was in Phoenix, Arizona, and she uh, said that I could join her class anyway, and, she, and she, we wrote short stories in the class, and I ended up having my short story win a little award in the, like, Southwest Regional Creative Writing Awards or something. So... Um, she actually ended up teaching me a lot, even though at first I, my ego was wounded. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, okay. So then in, how old were you there? You said in high school. I was in high school then. Okay. And, uh, okay. but then, you know, basically I, I, I went to UCLA and I f- fully intended to just pursue acting, but mm-hmm. at UCLA one at this time, it's not like this anymore in the undergraduate a theater department, they made you take playwriting as one of the required courses. Hmm. And that was a big awakening for me. Um, I ended up writing a one-act play that that we produced with actors, you know, reading, the, you know, playing the roles and, and me just as the writer. And uh, that was such a great experience that I wrote a full-length play also at UCLA. Uh, and I dated somebody who was a pretty successful film and TV writer right off the bat. He, uh, when he was a senior, I was a freshman and he was my boyfriend. And he, in his last uh, quarter at UCLA, got a job writing Laverne and Shirley. Oh my God. And he never, went, he never went to class for the entire <laughs> quarter. And, you know, so basically there, right in, in this time period of being in college, I saw that there was another path, a path of being a writer. But mm-hmm. it took me a while to um, put all my eggs in that basket. Did you, I mean, the, the play, you liked the play, but you, like you went, TV and film was calling you. I mean, did you really enjoy that? Yeah, writing, you know, when you're, when you're out there in L.A., you, you know, I, I did do some plays there. I had a group of, of women that I worked with uh, we we wrote a play called Waiting that we did in what we called Equity Waiver, um, and we acted in it. It was sort of like a chance for us to kind of get seen in by people in the business, and that's what a mm. lot of people did. In fact, that's how you and I met, Todd. We were in a play together right. um, that was Equity Waiver. Um, but, you know, basically what, what happened in my time post-college was uh, as an actor, I would get little parts, but I would a lot of times get the door slammed in my face. And yeah. uh, the writing um, doors were not as hard to um, push Keep open. open. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. that and eventually I just decided, why am I why am I, you know, trying to be an actor when I have this opportunity as a writer, and I've always said this to people, and I think a lot of people are like this in the movie business, that a lot of people want to be actors because that's all they know when they're growing up and they're watching, you know, TV and movies. But once you get out there, you realize there's a lot more to do. There's a lot that's creatively satisfying. And I always tell young people, go ahead and walk through the open door. Don't keep beating your head against the wall because you never know if you go ahead and say, yes, I'll go this way, see if I can get in to the field I want in this, you know, sort of uh, uh, other entrance, maybe uh, it will lead back to acting. For me, I, mm-hmm. I didn't really care so much about acting after I began a real writing career, but 
I know people who, um, you know, they take jobs as prop people or they take jobs as PAs on a movie and eventually that gets them toward their goal of directing or acting or, or writing. Well, it's also with writing. I mean, acting to me, and not that writing has to be bought or approved or something, but acting is so out of your control. I mean, mm. you could be the best actor or actress or out there, and it just it doesn't matter. But if it's if it's good material that you're writing, it's eventually going to get through. And I think the frustration. I and Tony was an actor for years, and and he still does perform. But I just think it's just that the. the the audition process is truly, personally, what killed me. Yes, it, know, it, just, it just. I, I, I agree. I, I really became sort of uh, almost, almost frozen in, 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 in the fear of the rejection. And, uh, right. and now, you know, I, I sit in rooms and watch actors audition. And I'll tell you, there are times when I want to run out of the room and grab them and say, you are great. You are not no. going to get this part, but you're great. And I want you no. to know that, you know, because it isn't so much of it isn't about whether you're the most brilliant actress in the world or actor. It's about if you are right for that role and that vision of that story. Yeah. Tony, you have some early uh, acting painful stories in the auditioning, correct? Uh, you're a theater really, guy, mainly, yes, right? Yes, I can't really remember painful ones. Like where people well, were mean, mean like and stuff. Yeah. I remember, yeah. you know, the rejection thing for sure. But I, th- I think I, I had an epiphany. Oh, God, I was probably in my late 20s. I, I remember auditioning for something and like feeling like I aced it, like I killed it. <laughs> and rather than going, oh, well, what about that other guy? He looked like he was, you know, he might have been really great, too, or whatever. I, I just said, uh, like, I remember I was walking home on Central Park West. And I'm thinking, hey, I'm going to get this if I'm supposed to get it. And otherwise, yeah. good for that dude. It's supposed to be his. Wow. And I, I like sure. surrendered it. And like yeah. right around that time, I started working. You know, yeah. I, I mean, like consistently and in much better things. So, I don't know. It, it's it was like a light bulb went off. That's a great thing. That that feeling of acceptance and and not the desperation. That's probably partly why you got jobs after that because you were really so. able to be free. I, yeah, and I was I I wasn't worried so much about what they wanted. I was just going to go, you know, this is what I feel about this, this is what I'm going with, this is what I'm good at. So, so be it. You know, yep. there's definitely an attitude. I I tell people who want to pursue acting, I go, actually, the most work because I did a lot of commercials. I got was my first year in New York because I was still or just was a producer and I had a little bit of an edge and a little cockier and I didn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. And then when I started giving a shit and worrying less and less parts in the commercials. So it's really interesting that it is the attitude you take, like not caring, and it just starts to happen by t- having a different approach, like Tony just mentioned. Um, so so when you were out, you're in, out of college, and you're starting to write more and more, but I know you're acting as well, but what did the, did the struggle to balance, or you just kind of went with it for a while and just see whatever came up, as you said, whatever door opened, but did you, in your, in your back of your mind, you would have still loved to be the actress, but you really became more and more passionate with writing? Um, yes, you know, I really found a lot of creative satisfaction with the writing, being able to um, understand. I, I felt that because I had been an actor, I knew what I could do as a writer to help the actor reach the emotional peak that they want, that I wanted them to reach or, you know, um, I, I, I really got a lot of satisfaction when I would write something and I would see an actor read it and get connected to the material. I felt so great about that as great as I felt when I was doing the acting. So 
It wasn't it, that hard to let it let the acting go when when it happened. Yeah, I think you, being an actress, you knew about dialogue. You probably became a very good. You wrote dialogue well because you knew what you wanted to say mm-hmm. if you had the part. Right? Exactly. Um, you know, I, I, I was there a time at one point in what piece that you when you were writing, you really you knew. I mean, you always were a writer, as you mentioned, but really knew it really started to kick in and you said, "This is it." I mean, and you knew it was it, and you just put your head down and went full bore. And you said to yourself, "Maybe acting things pop up, great, but this is it. This is what I'm going to do." Well, you have an um, epiphany kind of moment or a project you really felt better about? You know, um, I, what happened was, a, a, I would say a big turning point for me was I finally got a pilot as an actress. And mm-hmm. it was uh, this comedy pilot starring Jack Hay. And, um, I, and it was during the sort of working girl era. And I was the the Joan Cusack goofy best friend character with uh, like I had to wear a red wig, and nice. it was called Without a Clue, and it was okay, oh you know. Gotta look it up. Uh, no, it you up. can't. You won't be able to see it because it never aired. <laughs> but I started thinking to myself, is this what I've been working for? You know, to to be Dana Without a Clue Stevens, <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, and I, I was paid a, a, a goodly sum, and I said to myself, before this money runs out, I'm going to write a screenplay that's going to sell. Because, oh, wow. Because up, up until that time, I, I had had one screenplay that got optioned, but it just sort of lie fallow, and I kept changing it. You know, I, it, it was, I, I was basically getting paid Writers Guild minimum, and just I was in debt, you know, because I just couldn't um, make enough money. So I had this chunk of money and I said, I've got to write a screenplay that will sell. And the screenplay that I wrote was called Blink, which was my first um, produced film. I know it well. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, that, and, and so then from that point on, it's just been, did you feel like after that and Blink, the success and Blink was, that was with Aiden Quinn and Madeline Stowe, right, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, and after that, did you feel the doors begin to open more and more? Is it still a grind no matter what? You're only as good as your last um, screenplay or did no, it flow I, a little I more? I think, uh, for me, I think it's harder now, uh, just for the listeners out there that are trying to break into writing it, it, in film and TV, it is harder now. But when I came up, uh, once I had a movie that was in production and it was a sort of woman in jeopardy thriller, which I don't know if you remember those, those years, those were super popular. Yeah, um, yeah true. you know, uh, the, all the ones with, um, Ashley Judd and, you know, anyway, sure, yeah. so all I had, to, all I had to do was get out there and get more jobs before the movie came out. <laughs> Because if the movie's not well liked or it's a flop, then you're sort of back to ground zero. So, ah, so okay. I I remember you know just really working hard to to get a, get a couple more jobs. And once you start turning in scripts that people, one one of the big comments I always got was, "Well, this is a movie," you know, which sounds like a lame thing to say, but that was was how I got got a, a consistent um, reputation was because you would read the script and you would see the movie and you'd say, okay, this is a makeable um, movie. Mm. It's a commercial movie. You know, when I came up, it was before Sundance and, you know, it was a big, there was a big spec market at the time. Like um, I went to college with Shane Black and he wrote 
lethal weapon in a yeah. in his garage, and then he sold it for a million dollars. And a lot of people did that when I was coming up. So, so there was just this sense that you could be nobody and then suddenly have a writing career, um, and and that there were lots of movies being made, lots of mid mid budget movies. You know, nowadays. Um, the the feeling you know Sundance really changed a lot and it's really now like the writer director uh, person that that sort of comes up and makes their passion project which I think is awesome I love mm-hmm. all the movies that come out of Sundance but I have to admit that my start in the business was very much as a Hollywood writer writing commercial movies. So you're saying that the, the, what you said the. Shane Black, like from his garage, from nothing to a millionaire. Yeah. It just the process is not the same anymore. It's just you can't. It's, you, you can't. They're not. There's no surprises. The person's being groomed or a director. It's, it's well, more of a, I think what it uh, is is the company wants IP. They want things that already exist. They want yeah. superheroes. And, and I also, I don't think they're going to pay a million dollars for a script anymore. Um, right. Because they don't think the script is that important when you look at. I remember asking an executive, he, he was, we, I was doing a project for him and he was talking about a movie that I, you know, I couldn't understand. I said, are you telling me that you want me to do this because that movie is good or because you're telling me this because you didn't like that movie and it's bad? And he said, <laughs> I'm telling you this because that movie made money. <laughs> oh boy! Okay. Well, the art was like so. Secondary. You know, there there's. I think that nowadays, if you want to make your passion movie, and often the best movies and the most, you know, affect it, the movies that affect us so greatly are often these indie movies that somebody writes mm. from their heart. But the studios aren't making those movies very not often. It. Mm. Yeah. Also, if you're writing for the younger generation, my kids, like if there's not some something exciting or action the first few minutes, or I'm not saying it has to be an explosion, but there's these slower starts where there's character development. Yeah. They seem to be harder. No no studio, as you say, is going to do that and invest you know, 15, 20 minutes, in, minutes into a, the building the drama of like yeah. slow. Yeah, and that's why TV has now become the sort of more artistic route because they are letting you have time and they are letting you they in fact when i do tv they're always telling me you know slow down you know (laughs) your story's moving too fast because i'm used to telling you the story in two hours you know yeah dana when you say tv do you mean like traditional like like say network tv or like streaming services Streaming, streaming yeah oh my god can i tell you I am so blown away by what's out there now. I know. It's just, I, I have a list of things that, I mean, I, it's, it's phenomenal. It's stressful to get through it all. No, There's it's so just, out there. I'm a Mets fan, so I have to wait for baseball <laughs> season to, to end, and then, then I'll get back. Oh, but, poor no, you. I know, <laughs> I know exactly. I, know, it's, it's, I am too, though. It's painful. You know, yeah. What can I say? talk about it. But, but yeah. I will tell you, though, I mean, it's like, it's one, the next thing's better than the next. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable, yeah. the quality yeah. and yeah, the creativity. Really it's just I mean, it's it's kind of um, inspiring, really. It is. It is inspiring. And uh, and I, you know, as a writer, I'm just going to speak up quickly for fellow writers. I think part of the reason TV has has leapt to such a high level is because TV is really run by the writer. Um, yeah. It is. Yeah. It is um, the storytelling, whereas film is a visual, much more visual medium. And, and I'm willing to. Uh, 
totally see and admit that in the end, it's the director's film. You know, I, I can mm-hmm. work on it and write it for a few years and it's my film. But once the director comes on and they're, you know, out there putting the camera on and making the film, a film, because it's a two hour experience is really about the director's shape. Yeah. Whereas TV is just like reading a novel. You, you can just kind of really just expand out with your writing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's one of the reasons why we are digging TV so much. Oh my God. Also, TV that's is good. producer. The writer is the producer, too. Yes. Isn't it? That's how, yes. You know, yeah. And so, okay, so what, take you back to Blink, and what have, what, what, what does your 20-something-year-old think of your, your, career now and what have you changed in the process obviously you're continue to write but what do you feel that's changed the most about your style of writing or what's your your goals your objectives as a writer i mean you're still passionate about the story you haven't like you know i don't sense at all anything you write that you've sold out just for a block <laughs> what do you what do you what do you feel that's changing the most in your writing style and your view on the whole business and how to approach it to, for others listening um i i think it's uh I wish that when I was younger, I had been a little bit more brave. You know, I, I do, I do a lot of, um, mentoring. I do, uh, I go to the Sundance Writers Lab. I've I've done it many years and I, I advise the, the young people. And, um, I'm really impressed by their ability to stick to their guns and write this, this personal material. Um, when I look back on myself and uh, as a young writer, I was like a good student, you know, I did, you know, the, 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 I would get notes from everybody and I was very good at doing the notes and making the um, notes work. But sometimes you need to say, no, that's wrong. You know, I, I, you need to stand up for your vision. And when I, when I look at my career now, I mean, I'm very lucky. I love the movies. I've always loved the movies and I'm still a movie writer. But I feel that I've missed out on the TV bonanza. And I don't mean bonanza money-wise. I just mean the creative bonanza of TV. And I I don't know if I'll ever uh, sort of strike that chord. And I would, that's, the, for me, if you're asking me what I'm looking forward to and still have a passion yeah. about, I would like to do that. I'd also like to direct because I've really realized that as a writer in movies, a lot of times it's like, thank you very much. Goodbye. And, mm. um, I am my, my goals now, and, and it feels great to still have them and to still feel really passionate about accomplishing something is, is that I'm, I'm only going to write in service of something that I might direct or develop for television. Yeah. I mean, it's um, great. You feel you hear that a lot, like, you know, actors, right? They all want to be directors. And so this, it seems like that's the progression to become a director, but some just want to write, but it, it seems yeah, like it's a goal and, to have more control of your story, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I think if I were to do TV, I wouldn't feel the need to direct because I'd feel like I could be very hands-on creatively. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I do think that uh, yeah. If if you're asking me sort of advice that I could give young people mm-hmm. is to follow their passion story and don't give up on it. But maybe have a few things that you're writing. You know, have right. your have your heartfelt project. Then have your you know say horror movie or these days the rom com thing is huge on Netflix and you know. Mm-hmm. 
um, just have a few uh, arrows in your quiver. moment and I don't mean acting could you imagine having done anything else with your career and if it was did you have something that lingered like I I don't have that in terms of a a woulda coulda you know I mean I'm very lucky to say that I still really pinch myself and feel happy you know like this movie that's coming out now stars Viola Davis and I I am a gigantic Viola Davis fan so much so that I, I, I'm a member of the Academy and she was nominated for best actress. And I realized that I was late with my ballot and I drove it to the Academy and gave it to someone so that it would get counted. That's how much I loved Viola. So having Viola, who's also a producer on the movie, hire me to write a film for her, to write dialogue for her. I'm still, I still get like, Oh God, this is so great. I'm so lucky. And I love this. So in answer to, is there something else? I haven't really, I never really thought, oh, I could have gone that way. But I will say that as I get older, I think of all kinds of cool things I could have done. Yeah, I'm really, yeah. I think I, I might have wanted to study trees and have been an arborist or uh, birds or, you know, dinosaurs. <laughs> I mean, I, I think... These things are great. And I know, I know quite a few actors that, that, you know, sort of never made it in, in my life. And, and a lot of them are like at this age, you know, my God, I could have done anything. I could have been in, you know, I could have been a contender, but instead I decided to be an actor, you know? Um, so I think as we get older, our, I think when we're young, we get very, um, focused, single focused and we, we, um, we think, oh, I'm a failure if I don't do that thing that I intended. But when mm-hmm. we get older, we realize, oh, my God, the world is full of fascinating things to do. Yep. And I certainly see that now there would be some there would have been some fun avenues to go down that I didn't even think about. It's great to to, you know, when when you work in the arts, you you have your highs and lows and even at even in a a career such as mine, I've definitely had my highs and lows and felt like, oh, you know, so-and-so has a better career than me or whatever. Um, but we, we have to remember that the whole reason we do things is because, because we're compelled to do them because our, of our passion, which is what your show's about. So, Mm -hmm. um, you can, I'm lucky enough to do my passion for money, but you can do your passion no matter what, whether you're doing it just for yourself or for your living. you enjoyed this episode of the gray matters podcast please rate and review it and be sure to tell your friends too for more information about this podcast go to thegraymatters.org and please subscribe to the gray matters wherever you get your podcasts i'd like to thank my guest dana stevens my co-host tony hoyland and a special thanks to you the listener i'm todd harrington until next time